Hey everyone, it's Ethan again. If you tuned in last week, I told you this week we had an incredible 50th episode coming up for State of the Art. And while we do, it's actually going to be aired next week. Because our good friend and host, Andrew, was having so much fun on his honeymoon that he delayed it another week. And I'd like to think it was because of all the thanks and gifts that you sent him after I told you to give him a shout out last week. Um, so thank you for those of you who did. But that's okay, because it is just going to be that much better. And we're excited to bring it to you. But this week, I thought it'd be fun to go back and replay an episode we did in the beginning of the year. It was episode 16, and it was called A Look Back at 2017, where I went through the first 15 episodes to look at insights, trends, surprises, and to look ahead at what I thought would come in 2018. It'd be fun to see how wrong or right I was. So, I want you to sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. It's a short one. And to look forward next week to our 50th episode. But before I get started, I want to give a very, very, very special thanks to our Patreon patron of the week, Tahliz Lopez Garcia. She's an incredible artist who was both on Vango before and now a supporter of State of the Art, and I love it. I love it when artists support what we're doing because it means that much more and that we're bringing value to the community that we want to support the most. So to see Taliza's work, please go to Taliza Lopez Garcia on Instagram. That's T-A-L-I-S-A-L-O-P-E-Z-G-A-R-C-I-A. That's a mouthful, but it is well worth it. So while I'm still here, I want to say thank you again. Enjoy this look back and this recap episode. And I look very much forward to seeing you next week. Take care. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of State of the Art. This is your host, Ethan Appleby. And before we begin, I want to wish all of you a really happy holidays. I hope you had a wonderful end of 2017 and were able to find some time to just relax, get away, find some white space to clear your head and reflect back on what you're grateful for in 2017 and what you're inspired by to do in 2018. To kick off this year, we want to take a look back to see what we've learned so far in the podcast and to touch on the current state of the art and tech world as we see it and as you see it. First, let me thank the many listeners who really asked and encouraged us to do this in the first place, writing in, wanting to know more about what we thought. State of the art has been a success because of you. And to that point, let me first say that we could not be happier with the start of this podcast. I mean, really, we began this about 10 weeks ago, launched our first episode six weeks ago, just a month after the initial idea. Since then, we've released 16 episodes, amassed over 12,000 downloads, and have a five-star rating in Apple Podcasts. And I'm grateful for all of you listeners who have really encouraged us, given us feedback, spread the word to the incredible guests who have given all of you insights that you wouldn't have heard anywhere else. And of course, to the team, because without them, we could not have moved as quickly and produced such a high quality product. So before we jump into the questions, let's take a quick listen to some of the sounds of 2017. If you asked sort of why I originally invested in Twyla, uh, I've done a number of other internet companies and other marketplaces. And it's pretty interesting when you look across e-commerce and you look at the penetration of uh, e-commerce 
uh, as a percentage of a particular retail product or particular retail category. And, you know, I think everybody knows with the advent of Amazon and a zillion other businesses that in many, many markets, you now have, you know, 50, 60, 70% penetration in the vacation rental segment, which was my last company. Um, you know, by the time I left HomeAway, I think penetration of people, you know, searching for vacation rental homes online was like, you know, 95%. Uh, so we took a look at the art market. And one of the things that's interesting about the art market, you'll see a lot of sort of debate about the numbers, but call it anywhere between 45 and 100 billion in revenue. Uh, and the best data available would say that, you know, a little bit north of 3 billion of that revenue is currently transacted online. So compared to virtually any other category of e-commerce, art is very anemic. The thing is like, you don't have to go to the galleries and to museum only to discover art, you know? Like it doesn't have to be reserved just for the space. It can be, it can be everywhere as well, you know? Like it can be, as you say, in a bus. And people love to see art in their daily life. Data is not nearly as sexy as the art that we sell, but data levels that playing field for novice buyers. There's only three things that you still really can't experience fully online. One of them is food, one of them is sex, and one of them is art. Social media is really important when it comes to just exploring art, maybe not buying art, but exploring and learning about art. Um, so we launched Emma, which uses this, this sort of image recognition technology that it's open source, so anyone can access it, but we, we took it and we adapted it for art. Uh, it's a fascinating technology. It's, it's um, the same technology the Danish police is using on the CCTV coverage to identify criminals. We've actually found that it is much more difficult to convince someone that they can learn to draw than to teach them how to draw. If you really believe in art, you believe that art sort of breaks through and sort of can break through sort of the next technology delivery system that doesn't change art. Art can be yeah. um, can be anything, can be can adapt to however people are digesting it. The tech crowd so, couldn't care less about culture. Yeah. The technocracy is culturally illiterate, culturally disinterested. Do you think it'll always be that way? Do you think there's a reason? Like why why? Because is it a bigger problem or is because it because for the tech crowd, culture is Bitcoin. Yeah. Because Bitcoin essentially is like an art object removed of its requirement to have knowledge, aesthetic beauty, yeah. understanding. It, it is pure abstract in, in a currency form. Cryptocurrencies are a perfect sort of mechanism for the tech crowd and for people who are interested in technology who have no relationship to culture nor need to get it because it doesn't decorate. Yeah. It has a it has a, a system of value that if more people engage with it, it increases in value. So it's like it's like art buying without without the requisite barriers of knowledge that you need to, to buy art. So cryptocurrency, I think, replaces cultural production in the technocracy yeah. uh, as this store of value, this sort of conceptual store of value. It's the ultimate conceptual artwork. You know, I would post them on Instagram, Facebook, just uh, not looking to sell it, just just to share my art, you know, with with my friends. People would reach out and say, "Hey, you know, can I buy that?" It's like, yeah, you know, okay. <laughs> Yeah, so that, that's kind of what the start of it all. You know, to be honest, I don't give a fuck if it influences people's lives. I just want, like, if they've got a blank wall, I'd rather them have my art on their wall than it's someone, someone else's. else's art. And the reason they'd have my art is because they realize it's smart and there's a story behind it. And there's, like, intelligence that goes into it despite it being pretty damn simple. When the radio came out, uh, you know, a lot of purists in the music industry were terrified. That's basically going to be the end of concerts. Huh. 
you know, because why would people leave their home, yeah, yeah. you know, to go to a concert where they could listen, you know, in their house? And that, you know, obviously it had quite the opposite effect. So it sounds like you think the same of, of what you're doing and bringing art into the home. That's that, right. That actually it will not mean people will be less likely to go to museums or galleries, but more likely. Well, I view it as another floor on the building that is art. You know, we started with the. You have camp. great analogies. Well, thank you. I, uh, I need to like spend a day and think this. So. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, <laughs> uh, we, we well think about it. Like we started like the foundation uh, is I guess human nature, and then after that we got the caves, and then we got parchment, and then we got canvas, and then we got oil, and 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 now we have photography and digital imagery. I think what we're doing is just it's just another floor. So we're we're just adding to a world that's there. Um, but it, it, it makes it a little bit more interesting of a building. It makes it more fun. Um, and it makes going to the other floors more compelling. We now have a panel that includes art curators, interior designers, and data scientists from our company who are, oh, who are yeah. looking at every element of what performs well with our customer base versus not. And it's all... And, and then you take those three opinions in conjunction and we have to check the box that the curators say, you know, this is, this is a real artist, a significant artist. Okay, let's get to answering some of your questions so we can share our views on what the state of the art world is. The first question comes from Sarah from Virginia. And it doesn't have to do with the art and tech space, but she asks, what was it like putting this together and any advice for those wanting to launch podcasts? And I want to answer this question because it was very much part of the process that made this as fun as it was and as challenging as it was. You know, we did this in 30 days uh, from, from idea to launching our first four episodes and we had a blast doing it. And so three pieces of advice I have is one is record in chunks. So set up, four interviews for one day or 12 interviews over three days so that you spend just that period recording as much content as you can. It also helps you get in the groove and then allows you to almost like an assembly line say, okay, now I've recorded this. Now I'm going to edit it. Then I'm going to launch it. The second is have a niche angle, but make it have a broad appeal. So we did something on art and tech, which is a very niche uh, concept or idea but what we try to do is deliver it for a broader audience and also pull in different things that other people would relate to, like Instagram, like blockchain, like, you know, augmented reality or VR, uh, you know, or buying from, you know, art.com and, and posters and how you can then, you know, upgrade. And so by doing that, it allowed us to have a better angle for press and for Apple and others, but then also have a broader appeal. The, the last is, is have guests. You know, there's different formats that you can do, but by having guests, it makes it easier for distribution, getting press, uh, and, and having a more, you know, I think a more interesting and, and diverse dialogue. Okay. Next is Jonathan from the UK asks, what surprised you the most? So I'll do this in threes. You know, I think the first one was how few people in the space knew each other or even of each other. Uh, I thought going in, you know, knowing all these companies that everyone else would too, and and that wasn't the case. And I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, that I started this podcast was to increase sort of the awareness and that dialogue and that conversation. And and hope is that by doing so, 
you know, more of these people will get to sort of know each other, be aware of each other and connect with each other. The second is that most of the leadership from the successful companies do not come from a traditional art background. I mean, things like Trulia or Domino's Pizza, you know, are, are, uh, on the resumes of, of the CEOs of these companies. And, you know, I think that is um, what that speaks to, you know, is that bringing in different ideas and different angles into a space can really help solve things like how do you make art more accessible? How do you take technology and, and help it enable uh, sort of artists to, to get their work out there? And so, you know, I'd say that was surprising. One of the things, though, that they all learned was that it was very important to have someone, you know, high up who did come from the traditional art world. So you could have that dialogue and have that conversation and that push and pull. Um, but that most of the leadership did not come from the traditional art world. The last thing that surprised me was that most of the people in this space don't think that art will ever be as popular as music. You know, I, I can't say I disagree, but I certainly thought that you'd have a few more people who'd be drinking the Kool-Aid. Next question is from Miranda in Dallas, Texas. She asks, what trends did you see in 2017? And again, this is based on, on the guests that we had on the show. You know, I think one is that artists are having more success and it's coming in a variety of different ways. Right. So artists aren't just going to the galleries anymore. Artists are on Instagram. Artists are working with brands. Artists are working with digital plays. Artists you know, have more platforms to sell their original art. And so you see them having more success, but it's coming, uh, you know, a little bit from a lot of different places, you know, working with, with fashion brands like Vita uh, is another example. And, and so, you know, more and more, I think artists are having success, but they're having a little bit in a lot of places. The other is, is the unique approaches that are being taken. I think in 2017, you saw a lot of new companies launch, you know, in, in sort of the digital hardware space and digital software space, you know, fine art um, prints really pushing a, a, you know, an Apple-esque experience. And so I think more so you'll continue to see this, but in 2017, we saw a broader array of options for consumers um, to uh, engage with art and acquire art and learn about art and be educated about art. So Jennifer from Tallahassee, Florida asks, what do you think we'll see in 2018 based on the show? It's going to be an interesting year. You know, I, I think in 2017, um, building off of the trends that I just talked about, you know, a lot of products are starting to hit their stride. And I think in 2018, you'll see them be refined and, and just have better product market fit. You know, you see um, you're all launched their you know, second generation product, which is amazing. Uh, QZM continues to uh, utilize multimedia and get into more and more museums. Twyla's perfecting their product. And, and, you know, this is what really excited me to see and what excites me about 2018 is I think more and more companies are going to start to utilize technology. And I think their products are going to mature to a point that meets sort of the expectations um, when it comes to uh, for consumers. Because I think in the art space, that hasn't been the case. Maybe this is a trend for 2017, which is, you know, there hasn't been any hardcore 
technology, I would say, you know, things like machine learning, conversational commerce. I mean, we'll talk about some of the others, but, but that have really pushed the envelope. I mean, even utilization of mobile is still, you know, I think somewhat behind in the art world. And so I think more and more they are being utilized and you'll, and you'll continue to see those products improve and really uh, hit better product market fit in 2018. The second thing that you know I'm excited about and and see in 2018 is is new leadership, right? So you know Twyla just got a new CEO, Artfinder just got a new CEO, Art.com CEO uh, came on earlier this year, but you start to see the caliber of people in the space really rise, uh, smart, sophisticated, inspiring uh, individuals, and I think you know that again aren't coming from the traditional art world but are coming from you know have experience at you know companies like the Googles and the Airbnbs and you know the the lifts of the world that can take what they've learned about uh consumer experience and behavior and technology and really start to apply that uh within the art world and so again I think that it, it does play off the first point about products hitting their stride, but I think you know the 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 leadership and the caliber of of leadership is going to continue to get better, and um, and that is really going to result in in a better experience for consumers and for artists. You know, one thing that I'm not sure that we will see in 2018 is as much sort of blockchain uh, adoption and. And VR, you know, it's definitely happening. I think probably in 2019, this is one of the trends that I expect to see. But I think in 2018, there's going to be progress made. But I don't think it's going to be something that we're going to see as much of as we might anticipate based on, um, you know, all of what's going on right now with VR. Or for those of you following Bitcoin and hit 20,000 and and the talk about sort of, you know, cryptocurrencies and, and, and the blockchain technology. I don't think we'll really see a wider adoption of that within the art world uh, in 2018. Okay. Samir from Dubai says, what company would you start knowing what you know now and talking to all of these, um, the guests that you've had? You know, I don't want to give away secrets. I mean, obviously at Vango, we're really creating a platform to help people discover art. Uh, But I, I do often think about what are the trends that are going on. And so if I were starting... A new company, and for those of you out there who are thinking about it, again, three areas that I would think about. One is uh, service-based, you know, making, catering to sort of the consumer-facing platforms or others, making it easier for artists to create and for online companies to sell. And so there are some companies out there that are making it easy to help with shipping or making it easier to white label a mobile app or you know, to make it easier uh, for artists to distribute their work. And so I think I would create and start to create uh, companies that service other art companies and sort of help the entire kind of supply chain. The second is search and discovery. This is still something that no one in the art world has um, has really nailed, you know, recommendations uh, when it comes to art are still very hard. You know, I, I look at companies out there that have tried Artsy that we haven't had on uh, yet, you know, had the Genome Project, which kind of took off and then didn't really go anywhere. It's been scaled back. Um, and, and you know, you look at a company like Art.com, which has so much data and information, uh, 
you know, more so than anyone else, you know, but how are they going to utilize that and how could other companies, uh, perhaps they could open up an API to help that. So I would really look at search and discovery using data, using machine learning, using our, you know, AI, uh, to help people discover art that they want. And, and the last one is, is a, I say a connector and aggregator. And it, this is kind of a, more of a 2B maybe than a, than a third point, but it's, you know, it is on the search and discovery. And I think the, part of the challenge of that is any one company, you know, really nailing, um, you know, or having enough supply to be able to recommend. And so I think, you know, on the, on the consumer side, it's perhaps an aggregator that does nail the search and discovery and then plugs into other platforms. And I think on the artist side, it's it's perhaps a connector or someone who utilizes, you know, again, maybe it's different services, pulls them all together and makes it easier so that artists can just focus on, um, you know, on creating. Okay, Mark from Washington State says, what can we expect from Soda State of the Art Podcast in 2018? So a couple things. One is more great content, incredible guests, continue. We're going to go from doing two per week to one per week as planned. You know, we want to come out of, out of the gate doing two per week to give you enough content to dive into. So tune in every Thursday. Uh, and upcoming guests include Scott Belsky, the founder of Behance, who's now the head of product at Adobe. Joanna Wilson, who's an angel investor and a collector. I have New York City. We've got the CEO of Ello, which is a social platform designed for creatives the head of technology from SFMOMA, the CEO of art.com. I mean, really the list goes on and uh, we're excited, you know, about taking state of the art forward. And so for now, the format is, is going to be, you know, every week and we don't plan on, on doing season, but that could change. Let us know what you like or what you want to hear about. Uh, but we're going, we're going all the way through 2018, launching an episode a week. Thanks again for listening to this week's recap episode of episode 16. As always, you can find us at State of the Art on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. And of course, if you want to support us on Patreon like Tahliza did, please go to patreon.com backslash State of the Art. And a big thanks again to our Patreon fan of the week, Tahliza. See everyone next week. <laughs>